0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode number three of the New Era Canucks podcast. My name is Jordan and with me as always is my co-host Ben.
1: Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good and for the first time on this podcast we actually have a Canucks game to talk about, eh?
0: Yeah, and um, that's why you're getting this podcast uh, a day early because, you know, we didn't want to mix it up with the the game that's going on and be a day behind. But yeah, uh, we have a game to talk about uh, Vancouver Canucks played a National Hockey League game for the first time in 24 days against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the outcome was better than we expected.
1: I mean, going into this game, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you know the Canucks won 3-2 in overtime, Bo Horvat two goals to win against the Toronto Maple Leafs in their first game in just under a month and their first win in basically exactly a month. I was not expecting the Canucks to have much success in this game. I was expecting these guys to be out of breath. And I think when we saw William Nylander score the, the first goal for Toronto, the Canucks were, were pretty dead-looking at that point. And I was worried for the well-being of the Canucks coaches, the Canucks players, because you go through a virus like this. You, we've talked about it on the other podcasts. It's been all over Twitter and all over uh, the internet and in print. You, you can't compete as well as you want to when your lungs are damaged from COVID, no team has really had success coming back from COVID and very few have won their first game back. So in those opening minutes, when William Nylander scored against the Canucks, I thought it was going to be six or seven goals. I thought it was going to be a complete blowout uh, at the the defeat of the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Canucks, but credit to Vancouver. They, they fought back. I would have loved to see what that locker room would have been like the Canucks locker room between periods, because after the first period, they weren't doing too well. I think it was one nothing at that point. They went down another goal as well before rallying back, but were they out of breath? Were they thinking like, we're not going to get through this game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, but they managed to pull it out. And for one, I I was impressed that they pulled it out. And I think that's a big morale booster.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you just, you just look at what this team has been through and to get that first win, especially with the, with Bo Horvat scoring two goals, you know, you can just tell that that just meant so much to everybody. And, um, it was just – it was a surprising game, honestly. Like, we talked about it. We said, you know, they were going to come out battered and bruised and slow And in the first 10, first period. That's what it looked like. It looked like they were just going to get dogged on. You know, William Nylander walked right in, shot it right over Brayden Hopley's glove. I was like, oh, this game is over. Like, I, I don't like calling games by the first goal, but – I just thought it was over then. And then, you know, just the the rally back by the team. You know, Austin Matthews even put them up 2-0 at one point. Um, and, yeah, that was, that was really surprising to see them come back and win that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had almost c- canceled the Canucks out by the time the puck dropped. I didn't really believe they were going to play until the puck actually dropped on that game. But when I tuned into the game, it just didn't feel right to me like it didn't feel right that the Canucks were on the ice. And usually maybe I'd be making some jokes on Twitter. I'd be looking through Twitter for some jokes, but everybody seemed to just be nervous and almost feel a bit dirty watching the Canucks actually play because from what we've heard over the last few weeks, I know there's some conflicting reports now, but from what we've heard, they had a real tough time with this, this virus and playing a national hockey league game, isn't exactly an easy way to recover. And, Even if they're fine, I don't know whether playing an NHL game was the best thing to do. They definitely harnessed the the energy they did have. It'll be interesting to see what sort of energy they have left heading into a busy stretch of games. Uh, You got Toronto tomorrow again, and then you got four straight against Ottawa. But the Canucks did well last night. I was shocked by it, but I do have to say it felt a little weird, especially at the beginning of the game, when it looked like it was going to be a bit of a blowout uh, to, to just watch the Canucks play hockey again. It didn't feel right. Yeah,
0: no, I definitely had the same feeling too. Like I was like Rogers arena, like is that gibberish or something? What? What's a, what's a Rogers arena? What's a, what's an Orca? But yeah. um, <clears throat> But honestly, at the same time, it felt good. You know, it's, it's that little piece that I think we all, we all were missing definitely a little bit and we all needed back. Um, And, you know, on, and I saw Bo Horvat say it in his interviews too. He was, it was like, you know, a lot of people are going to doubt us and think we're just going to come out here and get smoked. And, you know, that's not our expectation. We want to come out here and win.
1: And they did that. And Bohorvat Horvat led from the front. I know uh, on the Vancast with Thomas Drance and Jeff Patterson, they spoke about how some of the public might not be liking Bohorvat's Horvat's leadership because he wasn't the one who came out and said that the Canucks schedule was a bit of a joke. That was JT Miller, who by all accounts has almost seemed more of a public leader than Bohorvat Horvat has for this Canucks team. Now, Bohorvat couldn't have spoken to the media at that point because he was still on the COVID protocol list. But I think when you see what he did last night, he led from the front. He scored two goals, scored the overtime winner, scored the first goal back from after a month off. He led from the front, and the best leaders lead by example, and that's exactly what Bohorvat does. Maybe he's not the most vocal guy in the media, and I think that's a role that JT Miller and others have to take. But Bo Horvat has done a a fantastic job of leading this team, and last night is just a microcosm of that.
0: Yeah, the it was a good game. Um, you know, we like we said, just great leadership from Bo Horvat up front. You know, every, everybody everybody was clicking. I think after that that first period, you know, it was kind of a, a feeling out process. But after that, I really think they got back into the rhythm of things, and yeah.
1: Uh, it was it was an impressive game by the Canucks. By all accounts, I did not think they were going to do that well, but they, they managed to, to find it out. And, I mean, are playoffs still out of the picture? For sure. Could they sort of get back in the picture? Well, if the Canucks beat Toronto tomorrow, then four straight against Ottawa, if you ring off four or five wins, we don't know how exhausted this Canucks team is going to be, but if you ring off four or five wins, could playoffs be in the picture? it certainly make for a good story, but I just think at this point, I'm still in the mindset of, I just hope a Canuck doesn't die or have long lasting effects of coming back too fast after this virus.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I heard Quinn Hughes, he was definitely one of the, the worst ones. I believe he was one. Of, don't don't get me wrong, but I believe he was one of the guys who was put on one of the respirators at the ICUs. And, you know, he, he was one of the first guys out on the ice last night and, you no, know, well, uh,
1: no, no. Canucks were put on respirators at uh, at ICUs. It wasn't that bad for the Canucks, but they were definitely symptomatic. And Quinn Hughes said after the game last night that the rumors of him being on IV those were wrong as well. He just had some pretty serious symptoms, but he doesn't know where those IV rumors or respirator rumors came through. But uh, none of the Canucks were in the ICU. If we just want to clear that up. All right. Well, here we go.
0: Um, all right. Well. Now that we, uh, we've we talked a bit about this game, let's get into the, the recap of it. So as we've said, the Canucks win 3-2 in overtime over the Toronto Maple Leafs. They get two goals from Bo Horvat, the opening goal, and the overtime winner. Um, they get a goal from Nils Hoglander and a brick wall performance, number 49, Brayden Holpe.
1: Absolutely fantastic from Brayden Holpe. I don't think anybody expected to see... What he did last night, after what he's done throughout this year, he hasn't been fantastic by all accounts. But last night, he stood on his head. There was that save on Wayne Simmons in the second period, where he he basically just did a somersault in the net and managed to keep it out. But Brayden he was absolutely stellar last night in between the pipes, and the Canucks really wouldn't have won that game without him. Because if Holtby's not there, Demko's still not ready to play. So who are you playing? You playing DiPietro? Sure. DiPietro to get in the game would probably be good for the young goaltender's development, but he's played one initial game and he got blown out uh, seven goals against the, the San Jose Sharks. So I don't think that's something you want to play against the best team in the North Division in the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking too, especially if Demko, you know, can't be back for those Ottawa games. You could look into a, a DiPietro start against Ottawa. But um, yeah, for now, Braden Hopi absolute magnificent uh, performance If Demko can't be back tomorrow. You know, we hope we can get a similar performance from him. He also had that uh, amazing cross crease save on Austin Matthews there where he got the pad out. Just that was his best game of the season. I definitely say, you know, he had that, uh, he had that pretty good game. His first game as a Canuck was not too bad in all accounts. And I believe he had that, that game in Calgary where he wasn't too bad as well. But I think this one is now his, his definitive best game as a Canuck so far.
1: Well, he hasn't played that many games either. Once the Canucks sort of found out that Demko was going to be their starter, not only of the future, but also of the present, Travis Green started giving him all the games. And you take a look at Travis Green's situation as well. He wants to win as many games as possible. He's a lame duck head coach. He doesn't have a contract. And if he wants to play Holtby, if he wants to play Demko, he's going to play the best team possible to win him games. He's not necessarily at this point without a contract going to do what's better for the long-term health of the hockey club. So maybe it is better to play Demko a few less games and get him more accustomed to the NHL a bit more slowly than throwing him to the fire, which has been done. But Travis green is just going to try and win as many hockey games as possible. Even if it means sacrificing a potential high draft pick, he wants to stack his stats to be able to find a new contract, hopefully with the Canucks. But could be uh with a team just down the I five and the Seattle Kraken.
0: Yeah, no, that's the thing you gotta watch out to for this year is you know, the Seattle Kraken coming in, you know, who are you gonna keep, who are you not gonna keep? And we talked about that with the trade deadline too, you know, a lot of a lot of hair pulling and scratching back at the trade deadline, but all for the future. And, you know, we can just uh Hope that Travis Green stays, you know, I believe that he could be the head coach for the Canucks. You want to call the Cup with Utica Comets. You know, he does have success in the the Canucks system. And, yeah, obviously, every coach wants to win, and you're going to put that into put every everything you want into win. But that also, you know, ties back to our, uh, our recent uh, somewhat obsession about talking with the Buffalo Sabres and comparing them with the Canucks and what they've been doing about throwing their prospects into the fire.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the Canucks do have a better player development system than the Buffalo Sabres. Sure, it's not a fantastic player development system, but they've managed to find something in Oli Levy. Sure, he's not the top six pick that you sort of expected him to be, but they took a sort of damaged player and a player who might not be NHL ready, and they've turned him into that. They they did it with Thatcher Demko. They did it with Jacob Markstrom. So there is a bit of a successful pathway there for player development in the Canucks organization. That's something Buffalo doesn't have, nor do the Senators for that uh, for that matter. But the Canucks have that, so they are able to take sort of these gambles. But again, with Green, you're going to play the best team possible. And that's why you might not see young players like Cole Lind get into the lineup because right now, who gives you a better chance of winning? Is it Cole, early 20s Cole Lind? Or is it Antoine Roussel, who has a bit more of an edge to him and some NHL experience? The smart thing to do would probably be to play Cole Lind. The green thing to do at this point, the thing that's probably going to win you more hockey games is to play Anton Roussel. But do the Canucks really have to win hockey games right now? Not really. They need to develop for next year in the future.
0: I will say on the note of Anton Roussel, he was one of the, the nicest looking Canucks out there last night. He actually, I noticed him a lot. He actually looked very good up there tonight. So props to Anton Antoine Roussel. I, I think he played a very good game last night. Um, so definitely... Proves your theory a little bit wrong there for the green way there. But, you know, I do agree with uh, uh, definitely get a colon in the lineup eventually.
1: I think with Antoine Roussel, whenever it's a game where the Canucks need a little bit of energy, they need a, a morale rebound, he's there to get that. He's a player who, even when he's injured and he comes back, he'll put down a fantastic game. And I think he knew that the Canucks needed as much energy as possible last night. And he brought that. Is he exhausted today? well, he was on the COVID list. I don't know whether he tested positive, but like, I'm sure he's exhausted today, regardless. I mean, you haven't played a hockey game in three weeks, but I still think for the future of this hockey club, Antoine Roussel is not here in two years. Cole Lind probably is. Get Cole Lind as many games as possible is is my theory.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, um, it seems like in the past couple of years, you know, the Canucks, kind of were filing prospects, you know, and they were, had Brogan Rafferty play and they had all these, uh, all these guys playing Josh Tevez, all that at the end of the season. And then it seems since then, they just don't want to play prospects since then they'll have one rookie in the lineup. And then that's about all they'll have for the rest of the year.
1: Well, the, the pandemic certainly has an effect on that. I think it was just 2018 that or 2018, 19 that Josh Tevez and Brogan Rafferty were in the NHL and they had to play in the NHL as well, coming out of college and signing those free agent contracts couldn't go right to the AHL. So that's only one, like one, we haven't had a normal season since then. Last year was cut short because of the pandemic and you went right into the playoffs. You're not going to play rookie in the playoffs unless he's an all-star. And then this year it's a weird year too. The Canucks have called up Jack Rathbone, a a stud out of Harvard. uh, And we'll see how he does when he gets after his quarantine and when he gets into an NHL game. But I think the Canucks are taking a bit of that approach and I wouldn't be surprised to see, colin at least get into the lineup but that's a jim benning decision jim benning is signed here for at least another year Uh, and travis green isn't so does travis green just take that that colin is on his bench and not play him that could be something as well
0: yeah definitely and you know at the same time too you just gotta look at the rookies development as well you know and when we look at Colin versus Anton Roussel, you know it's who is going to help out your hockey team in 5, 10, 15 years down the road versus, you know, does this game against the Toronto Maple Leafs coming off of a COVID
1: really matter that much? Yeah, I mean, the Canucks at this point, they do have games in hand. But are you really thinking playoffs at this point? I, I, I don't think you're thinking playoffs at this point after being out for so long. And when you're playing... 19 games in 30 days or something are you do you want more hockey after that if you're one of the athletes i mean sure you want a chance at the stanley cup but i don't think the canucks are a good enough team to win the stanley cup if they were fully healthy after 19 games in 30 days and you're jumping into a playoffs where you're playing every second day it seems like recipe for disaster to me
0: oh yeah even if this team is fully healthy i think the the farthest they could go is maybe first round definitely you know they i really feel like you know a lot of mistakes in the past year have led to where we are today. But, you know, it is what it is. You just got to build on from what you have. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be impressive if the Canucks made the playoffs this year. Be a feather in the cap of the team. But is it important? Are they going to win the cup? No, I don't think so. So the Canucks making the playoffs this year is should be off the table. That shouldn't be the aim right now. But when you have a lame duck head coach who's going to be assessed on his stats throughout the season, those stats don't have an asterisk that says that tells you the situation. They're just stats. And so he's still going to coach Travis green is still going to coach the Canucks to a point where he thinks they can win. And that's probably not the best thing for the future of the Vancouver Canucks hockey club.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it goes back to what we've talked about too, about how, the ownership you know still sees this as a winning team when it really isn't and you know they want to come back and compete but we really can't and I feel like it's just a lot of not a lot of acceptance in this front office group um to have a losing team and just accept a rebuild you know I feel like they look at this team as more of like a a maybe like the New York Rangers how their rebuild just kind of was gone in the snap of a finger and then all of a sudden they're not a bad team
1: anymore but you know i i hope that the canucks can sort of figure it out but are you still really going to be calling it a rebuild and a retool basically 10 years into this mess seems a little risky to me
0: oh yeah definitely well it seems like the canucks have been in rebuild mode ever since jim benning got the job as canucks gm maybe even a a little bit before that still when we were in the mike gillis tenure but at the end of the day too you know you just got you just got to look at just the the whole culture of this team as well too this team does have a rich winning culture but you know does it does it the teams it never does, it's 51 it, years old, it, it, does, it does it does but it does you know it when when you look at maybe what they've done in the Western Conference maybe they have a, a bit of a winning culture definitely not in the league but I'd say they have a bit of a uh, a success culture definitely
1: well they've had a couple successful years like 2010 to 2012 that was a couple successful years but are you really gonna say winning the division is success I, I wouldn't say winning the division is success sure is the western conference but this isn't English soccer. This isn't soccer where you're you have like the FA Cup that you're trying to win. You're not in seven competitions. There's one trophy that matters. And the Canucks haven't won that. They've been around for over half a century and they they've come close. They've come close a few times, but they've never been able to take that final step and actually win it. So saying the Canucks have a, a history of success, so it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, you could say the Maple Leafs have a history of success because they have won it, but and and even though that there, the droughts are similar length. The, the Canucks one technically a bit shorter uh, because they were came in in nineteen seventy, and the Leafs last one in nineteen sixty seven. But I mean, Toronto has a history of success, even though they've been absolutely terrible for the last forever. Um, but they, they they have a history of success. They they have won Stanley Cups. They they're a historic team. Where the, as the Canucks, sure, there's a, a passionate fan base, but. They haven't really had success.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's get back into some more Canucks news that has come forth today. Today was, we had two pieces of news today. We had one that Edler would get a hearing for his neon knee collision with Zach Hyman. And we found out that he would be suspended for two games for said neon knee collision. And I feel like it's a the right call but it's not at the same time because at the same time yet you have to look at what ends up happening to the player who's hurt in that and zach hyman's now out for two or three weeks with an mcl sprain so at the same time the department of player safety has to look at the safety of the player and while i don't agree with the two games i do because of now the injury that Lewis disclosed about zach hyman
1: I think it it was a dirty hit. It was knee on knee. Uh, I think part of it is exhaustion factor. When you get tired, you make bad decisions. And Hedler was out there for, I think three minutes on that shift and and made that bad decision to, to put that hit in. I think he deserves it, but I think you also have to take a look at the, the situation of the Canucks and who plays without Hedler in the lineup. Sure. It is, it's tough, but if there was a way that you could assess this, but also say like it doesn't come into effect until the first two games of next year or something, just because the Canucks are basically stuck between a rock and a hard place, that I think would probably have been better. But the NHL isn't built like that. It's not in the CBA. Anything that happens in the NHL has to be built into the CBA. So you call the hit for what it is. That's a two game suspension. It's, it's tough for the Canucks, but I do think based on the limitations of the way the league is built, it's the way that it had to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I think a lot of things that just get you know uh, m- uh, mixed up with neon knee hits that I just want to talk about too. and Kevin Biexa <laughs> talked about it on the the broadcast last night too, is that you know no neon knee is really intentional. like we said, you know, Edler was out there for three minutes and he he goes <laughs> to Hyman Hyman tries to make a play to get around. him. And you know, Ed just does anything to stop him. You throw out a limb. You just do anything to, to stop a guy from you know getting around you. And unfortunately, you know, it it got caught like that. And well, two games is you know probably the right call. Just you know, I don't think it was intentional.
1: Yeah, it probably wasn't intentional either. I don't think most of the hits that get suspended for are intentional. But it, it it's tough. It it happened. Nothing other can do about it. Um at least it's not more than two games, but it's going to be tough for the Canucks, especially considering there's really not many people left on the organization on defense unless Nate Schmidt comes back.
0: Yeah, no. And that's the thing. Like you, you want, like we just talked about it too. It just conflicts so much with what Travis green wants to do versus what the fa- <coughs> versus um what the fans want, you know, Travis green wants to win. So he's probably going to put someone like Oli Levy or something like that and, you know, reconstruct the lineup around that when fans are probably just going to be like,
1: throw Jack Rathbone in there. Why not? Well, Rathbone can't play tomorrow. He still has a few days left in, in his quarantine because he came up from the States in Utica. Uh, Utica storyline we could touch as well. But um, I would like to see Jack Rathbone get into a Canucks, Canucks lineup this year. I think he will at some point. Uh, but I think there has to be experimentation with the young players. Um, at least after you lose two of the next five games. Because if you win three of the next five games, three or four of the next five games, maybe you do have a shot at the playoffs, then then play for that. But I I don't think that's really possible. Um, So I think it it is time to start focusing on player development and whether that means playing young players and losing a bunch of hockey games and taking it as a learning experience, that's probably the right decision for the Canucks.
0: Yeah, and you know, the Canucks have, They've somewhat done that in, you know, the past couple of years. They had the the times where they've, you know, brought in Brock Bester to play the last, like, six or so games of the season. Quinn Hughes. They had some guys come in and, you know, while you can take it as learning experience, you also, like we said, you know, at the end of the day, it is really the coach's decision and what the coach wants. And Travis Green probably just wants to win hockey games and make the playoffs so we can get paid more money on its paycheck
1: yeah exactly uh i hope the canucks resign him i think he is the right coach for the canucks team to have success especially with this younger group but i don't think the management team is the one to find success either so maybe it's bringing a new management team and have the management team pick the coach but i hope that coach that they do select is travis green but i think there needs to be a new management team at the top and honestly probably a new owner too Mm
0: -hmm. um I don't know if you've, you've probably heard about this because i know you're on twitter but the the fire bang uh banner go fund me that was that was raised i'm i i have not seen it yet i live down in the vancouver area i haven't seen it yet but um i know they they hit the they hit the goal to fly that that ban- banner around vancouver and then there was also a a counter um go fund me for uh canucks for kids Fund. <laughs> Uh, that was thanking Benning, in uh, in return for that.
1: I think the the thank you Benning is a uh, is a bit of a play on James Sabalski, formerly of Sportsnet six fifty. He had a whole thank you Benning spiel that he went on a while ago, saying the Canucks Canucks fans should be happy, but it's the end, and Benning should go. But they shouldn't be saying fire Benning; they should be saying thank you Benning. So I think that's probably where that's from. But I I, lo- I honestly like the idea. I like the idea of Canucks fans coming together over a cause and the the team. The team is not good, but the, the fans are coming together. They can't come together in the arena. So I, I actually like it. It's something you see in European soccer all the time. Uh, and so I think it would be great if they, if they flew a banner. It's something you don't see in North America, but I think it would just be awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think the last time I ever saw a, a plane flying with a banner, I was probably like six years old or something like that. I couldn't even imagine the last time. I saw something like that, but um, yeah, you know, um, you, j- you just talk about, you know, at the same time, you know, you could look at it as, you know, they just want his job done, but you know, the fans are coming together and especially in times like this, it's good to see that.
1: Yeah, I I, I do like to see it. I think it, it is sort of nice to see the fans coming together in at least some way. Sure. It's not a positive way, but the team isn't heading in a positive direction under Jim Benning. So it's negative for negative and negative for negative equals a positive. So, uh, maybe that's a way to to turn things around with this connects organization
0: yeah definitely um yeah uh well i think that's probably about it we have for the podcast just a little short one today but you know not too much to talk about but um we'll definitely have more to talk about next week we'll probably have about about two or three games to talk about so um
1: yeah we'll talk to you then ben thank you for joining me very happy to come back on, and uh, there's a Canucks game tomorrow. Canucks Leafs. Canucks will try and keep the keep the streak going and keep a bit of energy against the Leafs before heading into four games against the Ottawa Senators. We look forward to that game, indeed, and then
0: I will see you in the next one.